Welcome to In Your Area, a podcast designed by area to update, educate, and refresh realtors, brokers, and industry stakeholders on topics that matter most to you. Listen on the go, in your car, at a coffee shop, wherever your day takes you. This is a podcast designed with today's busy realtor in mind. Welcome to In Your Area, a podcast for Alberta realtors on the move. Podcasting from the boardroom of the Alberta Real Estate Association, I'm Andrea Gibson, your host for podcast episode number three, Adventures in RPR and Title Insurance. I'm a former realtor, I spent nine years in member practice at the Calgary Real Estate Board, and I'm currently a Senior Program Development Advisor here at AREA. Joining me today is Stan Galbraith of Galbraith Law, based in Edmonton. Stan began his practice at Galbraith Law in 1987, working closely with the real estate community in Edmonton and currently sits on the Area of Forms and Practice Committee. Stan, tell us a little bit more about yourself and why you have graciously joined us today. Well, thanks so much, Andrea. It's a pleasure to be uh, part of this uh, podcast. And it's a first for me, so I'm enjoying the opportunity to do my first ever podcast with the Area. Uh, my background, as you said, I've been a lawyer since 1987. And worked in real estate ever since then, uh, everything from single family up to larger commercial projects. And one of the things that I've really uh, take pride in is putting a lot of effort into making documents into plain language and understanding what they say so people can understand them. And that's uh, so I've, I've, as a result, developed an interest in working with the area on the forms and practice, and then also making sure that the documents people understand what they say. This area here with real property reports and title insurance and uh, that whole piece is an area where there's still a disconnect between what the documents say and what people understand on a day-to-day basis in their practice. Okay, so let's start there, talking about the basic contract and what warranties are offered by the seller within that contract. So great topic, Andrea. So that's the basis of this whole thing is... um, In a standard residential real estate purchase contract, what is happening? And of course, first and foremost, we're conveying title. And then secondly, the seller offers several representations and warranties to the buyer. And of course, those are listed in 6.1 and everybody's familiar with those. You know, things like the seller has a legal right to sell the property, etc. The ones that we're concerned about today are uh, sub D, where the seller represents and warrants that the current use of the land and buildings complies with the existing municipal land use bylaw and any restrictive covenants. And then sub E, the location of the buildings and improvements is on the land and not on any easements. And I'm summarizing here, complies with any restrictive covenants on title and municipal bylaws. Those are the two warranties that we're dealing with today. Talk to me about the reason for the RPR. How does it provide that concrete proof of some of those warranties that you were just mentioning? So it's really great that there's a warranty in the contract. How do we know that the actual facts of the matter support that warranty? Well, if we're going to show that there's no encroachments uh, on adjoining property, um, the best way to do that is to get a survey or real property report. It becomes concrete proof that the structures don't encroach on utility right-of-ways or on neighboring properties. Uh, and so that's what the real property report is all about. Uh, that's all it does. There's, there's certain things it doesn't do. What it does do is prove 
those two items. When it comes to title insurance, how can it help support or supplement the RPR, or at least cover issues that aren't part of the warranties in the contract? Well, so let's look for a minute at what does a real property report? What are the drawbacks? Uh, well, for starters, it doesn't provide any information on the interior portion of any of the structures of the property or any other hidden matters. It doesn't provide information on hidden items such as septic tanks or anything like that. Uh, so what title insurance can do is insure and cover over some of those items. Uh, so, for example, um, there was a payout on a title insurance policy where the buyer bought the place, found out the septic tank was halfway under the neighbor's land. Well, that would have never shown up on a real property report in any event. And so once the buyer was forced to move that septic tank to put it back under their land, title insurance covered it. Uh, so it covers a number of items that are not shown on uh, a real property report. And the other one, the other example of interior items, I had a client who phoned me six months after the deal closed. They said, we just had an inspector from the city come and talk to us because the previous owner did extensive renovations in the basement and didn't get a final inspection. Turns out the electrical wasn't done properly and the city then issued an order to say that those had to be fixed. Title insurance paid the entire cost of fixing those uh, deficiencies. Okay. Again, real property report would never have even disclosed that information. So in supporting Alberta Realtors in knowing how to address RPR and title insurance intricacies, I understand that you worked with the Realtors Association of Edmonton to develop some guidance for their members, which Ray has graciously allowed Area to share with our members as well. Can you tell us about that? That's right, because one of the issues is that if we can't get exactly the ideal scenario, which is a current real property report with current compliance, and there's some other variation involved, what do we do? How does that impact the, the contract? Uh, and sometimes it's just some little minor amendment that we have to make. However, it's crucial that we have some common understanding of what those amendments are, depending on whether the real property report is outdated and we can't get a new one or there's just no compliance or a number of different scenarios. Perfect. Let's talk about some of those scenarios. What if a current real property report is available without compliance and we've heard some jurisdictions don't offer compliance? What happens when you've got a current RPR with no compliance and the municipality doesn't offer compliance? Okay. So I'd like to start by talking about what we should not do okay. and what I've seen happen far too often is you have a, either a current real property report or an older one that's still valid and you can't get compliance. And so as a result, then I've seen realtors will then just cross out all the warranties with respect to compliance and setbacks and encroachments. No, 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 no. Um, as a buyer, I still want those warranties so that if it turns out that the uh, garage encroaches on the municipal land or encroaches onto utility right-of-way, I have a remedy. So if we have a current real property report and there's simply no compliance, then all we're going to do is, in 10.2, stroke out the words with evidence of municipal compliance or nonconformance. 
so the closing so the then 10.2 will still then read that the closing documents will include an rpr showing the current improvements and the warranties will still all be there the only thing we've done now is to line through the words with evidence of municipal compliance or non-conformance do you need to add anything about the title insurance piece in there yes oftentimes the seller will agree to pay for title insurance due to their inability to provide compliance so in that case we add something extra as a term to the contract and again the wording is in this document that area is prepared where what we want to say is the seller agrees to pay for the cost of the title insurance because you got to remember in all cases the title insurance is purchased by the buyer's lawyer right so it's purchased by the buyer or the buyer's lawyer uh, so i've seen contracts where they it says the seller will provide the title insurance well no the seller can't the seller can pay for it but the only party that can go out and buy it is the buyer what about when an rpr with compliance is available but not current maybe there was a gazebo and the gazebo was removed what does a realtor do in those situations so in that case we go back to the fundamental issue that we talked about at the beginning of our discussion. What is that real property report with compliance there for? It's there to prove the truth of the warranties. And so if we have an RPR with compliance and certain structures have been removed, well, it still complies. If it complied when that gazebo was there, guaranteed it complies when the gazebo is gone. And so when we have an RPR with compliance and certain structures have been removed, nothing further is required. A new RPR is not required. The one that's there shows compliance. How can it be non-compliant just because we've removed something? Do you need to make any changes to 10.2? I notice it says current. Would you recommend striking that out? Yes, I recommend that you strike the word current and then you can add in the terms that the RPR shows structures that have now been removed from the property and the buyer agrees that is acceptable. So next, Andrea, let's talk about a situation where we have an RPR with compliance. However, it's not current because now instead of removing structures, structures have been added. Okay. And we have two scenarios there. One is a municipality that no longer offers compliance, so we simply cannot go and get compliance on that new structure. So let's talk about that first off. So on that one, we can still ask the seller to provide us with a new RPR that shows that new gazebo or garage or addition to the house. And the reason we want that is because we can see whether we don't need the municipality to sign off on that. You know, if they don't provide compliance, so what? we can still look at that new updated RPR to make sure that that sunroom gazebo or garage is not sitting on a utility right-of-way or not encroaching on the next-door neighbor's property. So in those cases where we cannot get an updated compliance and there's new structures added, we still, as a buyer, want to get a new updated RPR because we can confirm lots from that, lack of encroachments being first and foremost and then we'll say uh, we'll provide some exception 
for the fact that compliance is no longer available. Um, and that doesn't change the warranties. We still want a warranty from the seller that everything complies. We just can't actually go to the city and get solid proof to, in that regard. Just an aside, I know there are some municipalities that do offer compliance services, but we're hearing more and more of ones that don't. What kind of impact does this have on our members? Well, first and foremost, they just have to pay attention and make sure that they follow the scenarios as outlined in this document that area has prepared and modify the contract accordingly. Uh, and if you modify the contract accordingly, uh, then you've done your job and you've done your due diligence. Uh, there should not be any impact on, on the members. I remember when I was practicing, I had a seller that was refusing to update an RPR, and it was an RPR that didn't have compliance to begin with. What do we do in a situation like that? One alternative is to say bye-bye and move on to a new property. Um, the other is to uh, agree that, that that's acceptable and move forward with title insurance. And it still allows the deal to close. Uh, it does certainly leave some uncertainties uh, for, the, for the buyer. And that's where I wanna, want to make sure that the members are aware of the limitations of title insurance. Mm -hmm. I know that in talking to REX, they have a number of claims that come forward to do with title insurance. Invariably, it's because the realtor has said to the buyer, don't worry, title insurance will look after it. My advice, don't tell people to don't worry. I know that's a double negative. But <laughs> You know, d drop that from your vocabulary. Um, you can, as long as people understand what they're doing, then as a member, you've done your job. They've accepted the responsibility and they can make their own decision. You were talking about the warranties and how we want the warranties to remain intact. In this situation that we're discussing, it sounds like the buyer is almost waiving the warranties. Well, it depends on certain situations. Sometimes they do. Uh, and, you know, somebody that's buying the place to knock it down and rebuild, they don't really care about the warranties. And so they can waive the warranties with respect to um, setbacks and encroachments and all these issues because they don't really care. Uh, however, to me, if I really am going to live in that house long term, why would I waive the warranties? You know, what, 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 unless I'm getting a huge discount on the purchase price. But even then I say, well, there's something going on here that doesn't pass the smell test. Uh, so I'd be very war wary of waiving any warranties uh, unless I'm going to tear the place down. Okay, Stan, we've heard from members, generally in remote areas, that the cost of updating an RPR is prohibitive to the selling process. Yes, and in those cases, a lot of times uh, the buyer and the seller will agree to waive the requirement for an RPR in compliance. Uh, however, they, the buyer, in my view, should still be expecting and asking for the warranty to stay in place to say that there's compliance. Uh, it provides a remedy. If it turns out that there's not, then they have a remedy. Let me give you an example. Um, from the world of title insurance where our law firm was retained by the title insurance company. And this was in a smaller municipality uh, north of Edmonton. There were 
only two houses on the whole one side of the street. And so, again, it was outside the city. The cost of an RPR was quite prohibitive. We looked, the, the buyer looked at it and said, how could there possibly be anything untowards? There's only two houses and they're a long ways apart from each other. They closed the deal. Well, it turns out that, in fact, that block was four separate lots. The next-door neighbor owned three of them. And so what the buyer bought was only one lot at the far end of the block, and then the house was part, well, partly on that lot and partly on the lot the next-door neighbor owned. Wow. And so in that case, the title insurance company stepped up and um, just paid whatever costs it took for us to negotiate with the next-door neighbor. And I can't remember whether we subdivided that third lot and actually, I think that's what we did, created a new title uh, so that um, the, the buyer ended up with one lot and a strip from the other one. Um, you know, that's a case where the warranty should still be there so that you have a remedy against the seller if it's appropriate to do so. Now, in that particular case, the title insurance company uh, looked after it and it didn't cost them a whole lot of money. And so, as I understand, they never did go after the seller to recoup any of the money they had paid out. Um, certainly, you don't want to close that door uh, by waiving the warranties. No, absolutely not. Okay, so you talked a bit about the teardown situation. What if the seller has confirmed to the buyer that there are no permits on the structure and the buyer accepts the structure as it is? What kind of changes do we need to make then? Um, well, then you really want to put some extra wording in uh, to protect the seller in that case say that the seller has disclosed that the uh, certain structures don't have any development permits. Typically, this doesn't apply to everything on the property. The case that I dealt with a couple of years ago was they had an RPR with compliance for the house. And then they went and built, and it was a lakefront property, they went and built this lovely gazebo right down near the shoreline. And I can guarantee you that that was beyond the property limit and on the um, municipally owned shoreline of the lake. Mm. And so there were no permits for that structure because they never would have got a permit because it was built illegally and it was off outside the property line. It had been there for 10 or 15 years. The municipality had never asked for it to be removed. If we had got an updated RPR and sent it to the municipality, we know the result. They would have asked for it to be removed. So being specific to the structure in the modifications is important then? A hundred percent, because we still wanted that RPR with compliance for the house, because that's the structure that matters. And we still wanted all the warranties with respect to that house. The buyer was quite willing to take that gazebo with no permits. And if they got to enjoy it for one or two years, and then the, then the city or county said, you got to move it or tear it down, they knew full well that that could be the case. Maybe they'd get to enjoy it for 10 years or more. Who knows? Uh, so, uh, you know, that's the key here is uh, doing this with your eyes wide open. The buyer was quite willing to say, I don't want you to get a permit for that gazebo because I know the result will be I'll lose the gazebo. And uh, so they went ahead and, and closed, and we supplemented the fact the RPR with compliance on the house. We supplemented it with title insurance. Title insurance does not cover known defects. 
And so in that particular case, the buyer was informed and knew full well that there were no permits for that structure. Uh, could see from looking at it that encroached onto the shoreline. So in that case, if the municipality came along sometime later and asked for that gazebo to be torn down, title insurance would not cover any of the costs. It was a known defect. It was a known shortcoming. That's perfect. That's my next question, actually. The coverage of that title insurance for those structures that have been named in the contract. Right. And so let's elaborate that a little bit more because that's where um, I can see, you know, I've seen issues where, again, we go back to that, where the realtor will say uh, to the buyer, don't worry, title insurance will cover it. Mm-hmm. No, they won't. They will not cover known defects. Uh, and so as a realtor, um, what I would do is make sure that there's an email somewhere or something you know, to show that if this issue comes up a year from now and the buyer is, loses their gazebo and says, well, that's it, I'm going after the realtor uh, for this, that there's an email there saying, confirming. We confirm that the seller has told us there's no permits for the gazebo. Uh, we can close the deal using title insurance. However, the title insurance will not cover the gazebo. And uh, that's the protection that the, the realtor should afford themselves. And also, that's the realtor doing their job and making sure that buyers are fully informed so that they know exactly what they're doing and what they're getting into. Let's take that one step further, where you're not in compliance, either with or without an RPR, and both the buyer and seller specifically agree that the warranties are waived. How does that affect title insurance? Just go back to the beginning and say, what does title insurance say? And one of their catchphrases is, we cover defects that would have been disclosed if you had done all the proper and necessary searches and reports. And so if we have, uh, let's say we have no RPR and no compliance, and it turns out there's an encroachment, then the title insurance should step in and cover that. However, I don't want the members to go out and guarantee that to people, because if the title insurance company looks at it, at the scenario and says, hey, this is so obvious that it encroaches, (laughs) we're not paying for it. That's an obvious defect. You didn't need an RPR to show that. Um, Then they may not provide coverage. But, you know, we go back to the, uh, if it's just something like a garage sitting on top of a utility right-of-way, and now the gas company says you got to move that garage, if there was no RPR, the title insurance will cover that. Okay, so I hope I've I've established the distinction there. Absolutely, and the buyer does assume some risk in that. Yes, the buyer does assume some risk, and it's like anything in life. Where Where someone assumes a risk, we have the option of purchasing insurance to cover that risk. Will the insurance pay out in every case? No. The insurance, you gotta remember, insurance companies are there to bring money in, and avoid paying money out. Uh, And so uh, this, you know, the title insurance policy has certain limitations on it. And if the claim fits in, you know, doesn't fit squarely within the coverage that's provided, then they're going to deny coverage and say it's not a covered claim. Uh, So, you know, title insurance is a useful tool. In my view, it's... um, Everybody should, given the small cost of a title insurance policy, uh, you should always get title insurance 
you should just be aware of the fact, though, that this is insurance. is not a guarantee that every problem will be fixed. I think that's really important, and I want to touch on that again, because you keep going back to the realtors' conversations with their clients and really how important it is for them not to make these guarantees and refer them to the professionals instead. Those are the right people who can advise them on the pros and cons, the pitfalls and perils of title insurance. Exactly. Uh, to me, it's a very useful to have uh, this kind of document that area has produced showing, showing the different ways of dealing with the contract. It's also for the realtor in dealing with their clients. Um, they can always refer the, the client to the lawyer. Uh, however, most times, you know, these issues come up, you know, before it's even got to the stage where it's going to the lawyer. Well, in that case, you can always um, get brochures from the title insurance companies or just provide your client with the website, you know, www.stuarttitle or www.chicagotitle. Um, and First Canadian Title are the three that are the big players, and let the client go and read for themselves. Mm -hmm. And again, that's there's another situation where by doing that, by sending an email to the client saying, here's the coordinates for the websites where you can find out about title insurance, the member is protecting themselves against a future claim, and providing a further enhanced level of service to their client by providing them with that information uh, and letting the client discover for themselves uh, what uh, title insurance will and will not cover. Well, Stan, we've talked about some specific situations. Let's talk about general limitations of RPR and title insurance. Well, so first of all, on the RPR, as I mentioned before, um, they only provide information on the exterior structures on the property. They don't provide any information on hidden items or interior. Uh, the other disadvantage is that, especially in rural areas, they can be really costly and, and uh, you know, time can be a factor. Uh, and it can take several weeks to obtain, uh, even if a rush fee is paid. Uh, so uh, that's the real limitations on RPRs. With compliance, we have to remember what is this telling us? It's, it's only telling us that there's compliance with um, building, you know, permits that have been issued and setbacks and zoning. It doesn't provide any information um, on anything else that might be on title. You know, so many uh, properties these days have restrictive covenants and architectural guidelines and all these things. Well, a compliance certificate doesn't talk about that. The compliance certificate has nothing to do with that. And so we're not providing any assurance to the buyer regarding anything to do with, and those are mentioned, of course, as one of the, some of the warranties. The warrant, there's a warranty that, um, that the, the properties comply with any registered agreement on title. Well, we're not getting that from either the RPR or compliance. Uh, no. So there is limitations on what that's offered. Right. And finally, on title insurance, uh, the biggest limitation is to remember it is an insurance product. Uh, that means when an issue arises, it may not be covered by the policy. And if there is coverage, the insurance company gets to decide the method used to solve the problem. Just because you want it to be solved one particular way, if they decide they're going to solve it another different way that costs them a few dollars less, they're spending the money to fix it. They get to decide how to fix the problem. Uh, and secondly, 
there's no coverage for known defects. So those are the two big issues on title insurance. So the bottom line here is? As far as I'm concerned, title insurance always, RPR and compliance almost always. Thank you for your wisdom, Stan. Area members, we want to hear from you. Your feedback and suggestions for future podcast episodes will be critical to make sure we make this the strongest resource for you. We invite you to send that feedback through communications at albertarealtor.ca. Thanks to all who took the time to listen. We hope to see you the next time we are in your area.